The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. This is Tuesdays with Brady. Brady Quinn, ladies and gentlemen. New time, noon on Wednesdays. This episode of Pick Six, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, make every moment more. Tuesdays and Brady, what's up, fellas? What up? Has, every, <laughs> has everybody recovered covered from the West Coast time yet? Oh, no, I'm glad you asked. Or the uh, the Vegas flu. Mm. so i would say no on both counts um i'm still my voice is got gradually getting better uh i had currently have yesterday i had a tennis ball underneath my butt working my sciatic nerve which i know sounds a little weird but um i was rolling it while podcasting today i had two ice packs up against my the back of my pelvis because my my sciatic nerve has been so bad from possibly falling in uh you know the um Yeah, falling in the slime. slime. Yeah, we're working. We're looking into personal injury workers' comp. I want to keep mentioning that. Also, from hey, do we have a lawsuit on our hands, Will? Maybe, maybe. Oh my god, I dude, I'm telling you. Okay, so like when we were, I ended up going to the Sphere on Friday before I left town uh, to see you two, which I guess I should mention as part of the workers' comp thing. I was about to say you might not want to put that out there. (laughs) Is this after the slime? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. To, to After the you can't right exactly. Um, but I was I was in I was in a I think I can say we were sitting in a sports book. We weren't betting on these sports, but we were sitting in a sports book having beers before going. And I was telling like EK and some of the other guys, and I was like, I'll be honest, I'm starting to get a little sore and I'm kind of woozy. And they're like, Okay, uh, I'm just I'm just telling you, like, yeah, maybe I suffered a concussion as a result of you know CBS. Who knows? Who knows? All I'm saying is that. Uh, I got banged up in Vegas. I'm pretty sure I had some version of yeah, – I, I felt as bad as I felt since February of 2020 when I left the Miami Super Bowl um, for a full week last week. That's why I missed the show. I was just – I mean, just bad off. You didn't want to see me. Having said that, Vegas was pretty awesome in terms of a Super Bowl location. What did you guys think? 
I loved it, man. I was going to ask you guys this. We, we talked about this a little bit last week, or this is like a topic of discussion, I, I, I should say. Would you guys want to see the Super Bowl in Vegas every year? Because I thought it was actually a really great host city, and it feels like no one would be upset if the Super Bowl was just held in Vegas every single year. It makes too much sense, right? That's one of the few cities in the U.S. that has the infrastructure to actually handle that many people at one time. We know F1 is already there. They have multiple different concerts that they throw on year-round. Um, so for it to be in Vegas, it never – I mean, like, there was a little bit of traffic because, you know, where our set was was literally right on Las Vegas Boulevard, right in front of yep. the Bellagio Fountains. But besides that little area, the traffic actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So you just know – with the space that Vegas has, the infrastructure, all the hotels that they have, they have more than enough space to be the host every year. Now, the one caveat to that, Brady, and I don't think a lot of people expected this, it gets kind of cold in the winter in the desert. Like, people, I don't think we're ready for that, especially at night with the wind picking up. Other than that, I think Vegas was a perfect host city. I'm so, not sure what their advantage would be, by the way. Is that like yeah. assuming that the Raiders make it to a Super Bowl? Like, they still got yeah. a lot of work to do before that happens within their own division, yeah. let alone make it's it to a I mean, it's an unfair advantage of the Chiefs because Mahomes, Mahomes yeah, you, every year. you can do a rev share model through through that being hosted there every single year. I think the biggest thing is it wouldn't incentivize owners to want to build or really teams to build new stadiums, right? Because it feels mm. like if they build it, the Super Bowl will come. It will come. More than that, <laughs> at least one, right? So that's usually part of the deal. I think that's the only caveat that you'd have to be concerned by if indeed the NFL went that direction. I'll tell you this much, though. It would open up the floodgates for basically saying, like, yeah, we're pretty comfortable with being in the uh, the gambling, the betting mecca <laughs> of the United States, right? Yeah. I would say this. I think that um, my overall take on Vegas, and I know we're, like, you know, 10 days removed from it, but, you know, we didn't get to hash it out after uh, last week because of the Vegas flu, um, <laughs> is that the first couple of days when it was raining and really cold, just just specifically to what we had to do with where our CBS sets were, it was kind of a miserable experience because you were like kind of restricted to, well, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm just saying it was when we got there, I got there on Sunday and I was shocked by the number of people that were still there. I was shocked by like just how crowded it was, but it wasn't the Super Bowl sort of vibe. The first like Monday and Tuesday, really rainy, really cold, kind of like, yeah. all right, this is not ideal. <laughs> weather cleared up on Wednesday and then, and then you saw the typical, th the ramp up for Super Bowl week where, and then Friday I was like, I don't want to leave this town. This has like, it, to me, it had very much New Orleans vibes in terms of a Super Bowl city where like when you go to New York or Los Angeles, those cities to me feel as if they're like, that's cool that you're here, but you know, we're, we got to keep on keeping on. We're LA and New York. Like New York was like wanted to like minimize how much it was embracing the Super Bowl because it's like, we're the big apple. It's like, you've done the Super Bowl here. We don't really notice. New Orleans and Vegas are like, yeah, this is like football Mardi Gras. Come on in and party. You know what would be interesting is uh, almost if you could figure out a way of basically pinging it between like selfishly, I would love to see Miami be like another yes. host city and then Vegas be like the West Coast host city. Mm. And then you could have, all right, and you can make this either via whoever the number one overall Ooh, seed is. Spicy. I don't know if you have enough time for it, but I like this idea. You I'm make good. it the Pro Bowl. Whoever went, then that's how you could go. Now the Pro Bowl is too close, so it probably wouldn't work uh, in, in that you know in that yeah, manner. But you could figure ahead. out a way of making this so whatever team is award they get the pick. 
that number one overall seed gets to pick the venue so their fan base may be closer. Maybe they have a little better turnout, whatever the case may be. That'd be pretty sweet to kind of ping pong it back between those two particular venues just because, look, everyone's going to love to go to South Florida. They did a tremendous job with it. And we know, by the way, if there is a global pandemic, they'll still be able to put on the event. And then, <laughs> oh my God, about Vegas, or, or launch it, or, or launch, or launch the event, launch the global yeah, pandemic. Yeah. Either way, yeah. um, <laughs> but then you've got you know Vegas, which again is a great host city, and and you know it was, it was odd to, to the first two days. It didn't feel like the Super Bowl's out there yet, and I don't know if that What's was more weather or if Probably it was because earlier in the week. But once Wednesday hit and the weather turned, that place turned up, and it was awesome. Yeah, and it it does matter that, like, San Francisco 49ers fans were a big factor, I thought. And Chiefs fans showed up, too, but, like, yeah, it was, like, two to to one, totally reasonable. Let me ask you this. Um, There was a report, I believe, in, like, some Las Vegas uh, media company reported um, that a former player – was bit by a wolf in the desert. I'm just curious which one. It was, of it was, was coyote, you? supposedly. But, yeah. I don't know if was that it, was true. Was it you, dudes, or was it you, Brady? Which which I didn't, player? I didn't report that. But <laughs> I, I heard supposedly it was an ex player that was bit by a coyote out there in, yeah. in, in the wilderness. Yeah, I Coyote's saw Like in my free time, I was out golfing. Like I had three run right on by. They were probably. Did you play, did you play golf in Vegas? I did, of course. You did, yeah. yeah. Really? Anytime I can. I guess you had your radio show at three in the morning local time. So. Yeah, I get a little extra time when I have these West Coast Super Bowls when I start at three a.m. You know, like I say, I, yeah. my morning is everyone else's last night. So there you go. I almost, I almost called you as we were going to bed uh, while pitching um, the sales team on a on like a on like a on a podcast idea. Because I was like, Brady's waking up. We can call him. They were like, you can't call yeah. Brady Quinn. I was like, if I call Brady right now, he would answer and be one. You'd be thrilled if I called you at 2 a.m. Why not? I mean, I'm already up anyway. I have to work in yeah. it. <laughs> you'd be like, you'd put me on speaker and like find a way to record. You'd like hit record and be like, go on, Will. Keep talking. The um, best part was my producer for our radio show. When we walked to the lobby of Mandalay Bay, where we ended up staying, there'd be like a band live performing. I actually caught him out on stage singing along with this band one of the days. And it had already been like two or three days into the week. So I'm pretty sure he tied one on. Yeah. But I literally walked by and I was like, that's our producer. We have a show in 30 minutes. And he's singing along with this band <laughs> I in, the middle, love it. in the middle of this like a little, you know, entertainment area uh, at 2.30 a.m. in the morning. So I'm like, I'm not sure if he just stayed out the whole night and stayed up or if he just happened to walk down. Did he produce the show? Yes, he still produced the show. <laughs> was it, was How was he the show? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean – I, I definitely think he still has some alcohol in the system. I'll put it that <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I would actually like to – this that incorrigible gossip Pete Prisco likes to talk about. He's like, Brinson was going huge out of the Super Bowl. You know, quite frankly, I think Pete's kind of a cuck. And uh, one. And then two, like, keep my name out of your mouth, Pete. And three, like, I didn't even stay up past two in the morning one time in Las Vegas. I would have been at 9.30 one night, Vegas time. Like, I would, I would, like, I don't want this nonsense being, like, pizza, pizza, you know what we're talking about. Pizza, pizza talks, too. He's a gossip. Let me say this, though, about Pete, because I, I don't believe that to be true either, Will. I mean, we did get to spend a few moments together, which was very lovely. Got to catch up a little bit. Pete was a stick in the mud. He didn't go out any of the nights. He was invited <laughs> he to <did>. dinner. <laughs> he was invited to dinner. He didn't even want to go out for that. By the way, the dinner was at 5 
30. And he said it was too late for him because they didn't want to mess up his stomach. So he didn't didn't want to leave the hotel. He's like, it's traffic. I don't want to get into traffic. And and, and and he's walking everywhere. In in fact, this restaurant was walking distance to where his hotel was. And so I was like, dude, you are the least fun person of our entire CBS crew, podcast, whoever is Pete Prisco. So I would not pay any attention whatsoever to what Pete said. Thank you. Because the only reason why I didn't go is because I had the event to go to right when they had the dinner. So I was going to go because I think it was DK. DK was the one that set the dinner up. He was like, I know it's early, guys, but if you guys want to meet up, go to dinner. I was like, I wish, man. I got an event I could go to. If you could push it back later, I could go. He was like, nah, that's the only reservation they have. And Pete was like, I'm not not leaving the hotel. I'm not getting into that traffic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, that was the other thing, too, is you can kind of walk, like, Friday night was a little tough in terms of transportation, yeah. especially on the strip. Friday and Saturday were the only bad days. Other than that, you literally could walk or drive <laughs> anyway without any issues. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, we didn't have any trouble really getting around, which is frankly fantastic. Uh, I will say one more thing, and then we'll move on. We'll talk divisions um, and co- rank the coaches in the various divisions. The sphere. Holy crap. I'm so I glad never... I didn't get to go do it, man. It is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life in terms of a concert venue. It, what makes like, it so cool? Like the what they can do with the visuals behind the band is insane. Like at one point you think you're standing in the desert because they've got this like like the, 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 like the Las Vegas desert behind you. They put the strip behind you and it was like moving cars and it looks realistic. Um, I, I've got some video, I can send you some videos or some pictures from it. It's like it's insane what they can do in there. Highly recommend uh, if anyone if anyone's into visual entertainment at a concert to go check that out before before we move yeah. on is it is it a thing if you're a little claustrophobic that it could be a bit much uh i would be more worried about heights than claustrophobic okay yeah. i did hear that yeah i did hear that Cla- too. You, in fact you don't feel claustrophobic at all because it feels very open okay. but the heights like i was 200 level and, and it was this is friday hey, night no big, no big deal what up 200 level you know, much for, you know how much it was for 200 level tickets like an hour before the show? 100 bucks. That's it? Yeah. I thought that was way mean. more than that. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really want to see you two, but I wanted to see the sphere. But me and my buddy Dallas was like, all right, it's 100 bucks to get in. We're going to the show. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, so like 400 level I've heard is really steep and kind of like. By the way, yeah, by the way, tell me, tell me you're 40 plus and white. If, if by going to one concert, it'd be you two. <laughs> That's yeah. the only. I, I I don't even really like you two, and like, but like, I mean, I like I like some of their at young baby stuff, like some of their older stuff. Yeah, um, I love how you 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 like hid the actual concert who it was until just yeah, now. Like, yeah, we went out to the They're the only they're the only band playing. It's not like I had options here. Yeah. All right, uh, you know what? I'm gonna time out these breaks correctly. Let's take a quick break. It's all we did was talk Vegas. That was fun, though. I like talking Vegas with you guys. Uh, actually, but you what? Uh, top three Super Bowl cities. Ooh. After, after having been to Vegas. Dudes, where are your top three? Oh, actually, I'll go first. I'll say um, New Orleans one, Vegas is still two. And then I have this weird impartiality or uh, weird sort of like partiality towards Phoenix. Phoenix actually wasn't just, bad last year. Yeah, it was under radar. I, I just, it was under radar. I, I, yeah, uh, but I mean, Miami probably the real number three there. Yeah, my three would be um, – I'm actually going to go Vegas one, Miami Ooh. two, Houston three. Oh. Houston yeah, I had, been, I had a great been, time in Houston Super Bowl. Super Bowl. That's a, the first two, mine are the same. I think 
I'm actually switching. I'll say Miami one, Vegas two, but they're almost a one A one B. Correct. You guys not high on New Orleans? No, like not. New looking. Orleans is a small city, man. Like it's I gonna be. New, it's gonna I be. New Orleans. It's gonna be clustered next year, man. No, not not looking forward to that. You know what? I'm gonna say three Atlanta. I love the. That's an underrated one too. That was like super, super well done. Everything was centralized. Yeah. The stadium's super nice. The hotels, everything's right there. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed Atlanta as uh, another Super Bowl venue as far as how it was handled. Phoenix would be up there too. I just thought it was a little bit spread out. Phoenix is spread out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. If you got if you got to Scottsdale because everything was downtown or like yep. you know up close to that. <laughs> if you got to Scottsdale with the golf tournament going on at the same time, you were stuck. Like you were there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the hard part about yeah. uh, Mount Phoenix. The, the funny thing is, I was actually staying down there by the, the waste management. I actually didn't have too much of an issue getting out. Now, one day was bad. Way, you weren't trying to get I, in. Oh, I yeah, I was night, leaving going I down one night in Sky. I spent the night in Scottsdale one night. But that's another yeah. story for another day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't believe me if I said it out loud. So um, – Pete was right about that one. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, on. those are our Super Bowl rankings. Beat the local snitch. Pete, yeah, Pete's an <laughs> incorrigible gossip. He loves to like, he loves to like push off. Pete, he's too old to like party anymore, so he's like loves to push it off on me. Um, anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, we're gonna rank division coaching staffs next. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, so we are going to rank the coaching staffs in each of the divisions in the NFL. Um, all caveats that you guys would like to apply, we can apply here right now. I think um, – Yes, the first one would be the head coach has to be weighted, right? Like the head coach is leading the way. Yeah. Like two good coordinators can't save the head coach, can they? Correct. I, I would agree with that. 
Okay. Um, I also think if you're if we're talking about a first year head coach, like Dudes and I were talking before you while you were getting wired up, like we don't know a lot about the Patriots coaching staff right. at all. And so, like, if we say the Patriots have the worst coaching staff in the AFC East, that's not us saying they stink and the Patriots will be awful and Gerard Mayo won't work out. But, I mean, you kind of just have to rank a brand-new coaching staff at the bottom. Just give them a year. It's unknown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Mayo could be incredible. Um, That would be I for incredible, right? You know what I'm saying? But I guess you you for unbelievable. So That's true. Belichick, Bill Belichick, obviously was at the top of the AFCs for a long, long time. Now he can't even get a job. That to me is like the wild, like that's the wildest. It, it's kind of being underplayed. People are like, yeah, of course he can't get a job. Bill Belichick not being able to get a job is nuts, man. I don't Isn't know if that's so much as like people obviously being concerned about their own well-being and trying to not, you know, get fired and not have have allowed him to have control over top of them. That's which, fair. That's fair. You know. But well, again, I know, I know Brady. We had this conversation too, and I, I just, you know, I was stating earlier in the offseason when they decided to part ways, and people just assumed that the Atlanta job was going to be his. And I was telling people, I think when owners, you know, look back and they look at Bill Belichick and they're seeing the way that the, the NFL culture is right now, like is his way of the Bill Belichick, you know, Patriot way conducive to you know developing young men in today's NFL. I think Atlanta looked at that for a while. And then to your point also, Brady, he wanted some power. And I don't think they were willing to just give him all that power right away as well because his track record as a GM hadn't huh. been as great lately, you know. So Arthur I think that Blank was part of the been. reason. Yeah, yeah, just, exactly. Rich McKay and Terry Fonda who probably were like, ah, I'd, I'd like to have final say. Not, not Exactly. You know. So I think that played a role in it. And then also, like I said, the way that the NFL is moving, is it conducive to the way that he coaches? I think that was another part of, you know, maybe a team not wanting to give him all that power or bring him in as a head coach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, there are definitely some, and that's, it's a great point when we talk about who's, who's being hired as a coach, who the coach is reporting to, who the GM is reporting to, how there's, there's a lot of like real life office politics that go into NFL coaching staff. Everything, right? That's everything, yeah, like that's every life. organization, every yeah. company, you know. So that becomes part of how the owner, you know, ends up handling that. And it sounds like Arthur Blank anointed Rich McKay and Terry Fonda to say, you guys, you know, find someone you want to work with, feel comfortable with. And Raheem Morris ended up being the right fit for them. I- I'm more bothered by every organization that had the chance to interview Bill Belichick that didn't. Like, mm. yeah, you literally could have talked to the greatest coach of all time, got something, some nugget, something from him. And you decided not to like, just because, I mean, like there's nothing wrong with bringing him in and having a conversation with him, right? Like this is your one opportunity to do that fresh off his time in new England, regardless of where, you know, to Leger's, you know, comment about where maybe coaching is now and development is now that's irrelevant. Like I look at it and say, like, I just want to come in and pick his brain. Like he's coached for so long, been more successful than anyone else. Maybe there are elements of what he's done that we can implement in our organization and then apply that moving forward. We don't have to do it exactly how he did it. But we could take pieces of that. The fact that you have all these other openings that didn't even want to entertain an interview with them, like that's where I feel like if I was an owner, I'd look at everyone who was a part of that process and be like, shame on you, man. Like if this doesn't work out, you're out. I don't have to find the next guy who will be holding Bill Belichick. Yeah, but to your point, I think that was part of the issue, right, Brady? They were worried about him coming in, ruffling feathers, and potentially (laughs) asking for final say on things. 
And if you're a GM or a president, you're like, look, I kind of want the final say on things, right? Um, because I'm the GM. I want Bill Belichick coming in here and just turning everything over, and he's getting the final say. <laughs> that oozes maturity to me, though. But hey, let's look at that list. I, I think this one's relatively easy, right? Because we talked about it's either it's either Sean McDermott or Mike McDaniel. One, I, mean, I think I think one A one B with Sean McDermott and Mike McDaniel. Sean McDermott's longer success. Long, I think McDermott's won easily, personally. Yeah, McDermott's, McDermott's won. There's nothing wrong with saying this. McDermott won, has won the AFC East the past four years. Like, yeah. he's he's number one. He's got a stronghold on that. I, I think the thing that Sean McDermott deserves credit for is the fact that he made a coaching change during the season. You know, he went to, we went to Joe Brady. Joe Brady did a fantastic job revamping the offense in season, which is hard to do. And he took over the defense when Leslie Frazier steps down before the season, and they still make the playoffs. They still win the division. He's number one. McDaniel's number two. And then you've got Robert Sala at three. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know that Gerard Mayo is going to be that far behind him because I feel like outside of the job that Robert Sala has done, kind of holding together the defense, holding together a lot of like stars and personalities and, uh, and, and guys together through a lot of adversity, you also could look back at some of the decisions he's made, whether it's Zach Wilson-centered or maybe some other pieces they've got, and feel like, man, he didn't manage that overly well. So yeah. that order that we've got it in, you know, is uh, Robert Sala up a spot, but Gerard Mayo down one. Yeah, I, I, I would say this. It's interesting when you look at this division, right? Because going into last year, I think a lot of people th pegged this as the best division in football. But then when you look at the coaching staffs and some of the issues down the stretch where you see Mike McDaniel and Vic Vangio, supposedly the players weren't buying into what he was selling down there in Miami. He ends up getting fired. You look at McDermott making a offensive coordinator change, like you said, and and I I would push back on this with McDermott because when you look at his 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 roster on paper, I would say within the last three or four years, you would have to agree that it's probably a top two or three roster in the NFL, and they have not been able to get out of the AFC oh, Championship game now again. I mean, I'm not this year, but if you're talking about the two two or three previous years, you wouldn't agree with that. It's a top five roster, but he's also had a big a big hand in assembling it too. So. I think you got to give him credit for that. Like he's involved in okay. personnel. Well, like, well, too. If we're gonna play that game, right? Because he also has the answer to a GM that works really well. With Robert Sala, like Brady, you know this more than most people in, in the world. Like a lot of times, a coach has to coach a team that's assembled for him. Like he may have some say, but he doesn't get to make those picks or bring in the free agents that essentially that he wants. I remember vividly. I've been on a team where a head coach and the GM didn't agree, but the GM was like, "These two players are gonna be on this team no matter what." And these other two players are getting cut. And you just got to deal with it. Like, I think that's the thing a lot of people don't understand. Was that Rex and Doug or Rex and I know firsthand experience about guys that got cut that the head coach did not want to get cut and two other guys that had to stay on the team that the head coach did not want on the team. Um, so uh, to your point, again, Robert Sala and the Jets, they know it's do or die this year. I don't yeah. know if I would put them at four, Brady, just because we don't, like we said, the unknown. I didn't say I'd put them at four. I put them at three, but they're yeah. not. Like, Gerard Mayo could easily have a great season, and if they finish ahead, like, after one year, you'd have to put them ahead of Robert Sala, would you not? I would also say, if you look at Miami and Buffalo Bills, the quarterback situation has been a lot different than it has been with the New York Jets. That's Some true, too. All right. What Sala's doing, but. Like, it's not on the head coach all the time to pick the roster. That's I think it's true, I think generally it's generally you have Bills and the Dolphins, a drop-off Jets, and then the unknown that is Gerard Mayo. That's sort of the yeah. division. There's an unknown, though, in the fact of how you go about handling who's starting, who's not. Right? Once you get into yeah. the season, 
when you've got a guy up there and like you're benching Zach, then you're then you're putting back out there. I, I can agree with that. The way that was managed, I think if he could go back and do it again, they might have handled it differently. For sure. To the NFC East. Because I told Harry we had plenty of time. I thought the AFC East. Was <laughs> uh, we have one new head coach in Dan Quinn who we can sort of – like I don't know how you want to slide him out because he has been a head coach before he's been to a Correct. Super Bowl. He brings right. in Cliff Kingsbury, former head coach, as his offensive coordinator. Uh, you got change in Philly with Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio in to boost yeah. up Nick Sirianni. Certainly helps that coaching staff. Brian Schottenheimer with Mike McCarthy, and now Mike Zimmer replaces Ooh. Dan Quinn. So, uh, I mean, you talk about some incestual like uh, coordinator moves here. The former Cowboys OC is now with the Eagles. Uh, you know, Zimmer back and the to replace the guy who's now the head coach of Washington. Um, I. Think with I, this is a this is a hard one. This is an intriguing one. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's, I think it's McCarthy one for me. Okay. I would then put. I have to put Sirianni, and in part because of what he's done so far in his short tenure, Correct. but also his OCDC. I think Vic Fangio, Calamore are proven. Yes, and then you look at I think Dan Quinn third because he's been to a Super Bowl. I was going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Brian Dable, who's also taking a team to the playoffs, though, when a lot of people didn't find the Giants two years ago at Super Bowl or a playoff team. Yeah. But unfortunately, he, he'd have to put him at four, right? Just surely based on the short tenure he's had. Well, this, when, I, when I look at this, and I'm with you, Brady, I, I think I think you stated it perfectly when we, before we started this ranking. Like, the head coach is the, I won't say end-all, be-all, but, like, that's the, the major factor in deciding, like, who has the better coaching staff. And then you look at Mike McCarthy, right? Won a Super Bowl with Green Bay. He's gone to the playoffs, what, three straight years with the Dallas Cowboys. And, and then you look at Mike Zimmer, right, is known to be a great defensive-minded coach. You bring him in after you lose Dan Quinn to go to the commanders. And Brian, Brian Schottenheimer has been the coach. Family they grew up in football, right? And then Nick Sirianni, the big question for him last year, he lost both coordinators. And then he kind of hired two inexperienced guys, right? And we saw how that hurt the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, he rectified that by getting two very experienced guys and bringing in Kellen Moore. And Vic Vanjo now, me and Brady had a, a discussion, I think, like last week. And I was my question is kind of like with Bill Belichick, because the, the issues in Miami with Vic Vangio was like things that he was asking players to do. They weren't comfortable with. And he was setting his ways and saying, this is how we're going to do it. Like, is that going to work with the personalities yeah. and the, with the Philadelphia Eagles? And we've already seen the thing with A.J. Brown happen this year. Now, again, that's not on his side of the ball. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different characteristics with the Philadelphia Eagles as far as those players and how strong, I won't say strong-willed they are, but there's a lot of superstar players on that team. Like, I wonder how that, you know, relationship is going to work. I put Brian Dable at four because it was crazy, Brady. We had this discussion after the article came out with the Jets, right? And if the thing that happened with Brian Dayball and Wink Martindale happened with the Jets, like, people would still be talking about that. But because it's the Giants, they aren't. And then there was rumors that him and Mike Kafka weren't getting along either. And, and so potentially Mike Kafka was going to leave and go be an offensive coordinator somewhere else. So I think for that factor alone, just because of the dissension in that in that home base, I would put them at four. I, I think I think you have to say that Brian Dable is still just because of what happened last season. Like I still think I, I think this is a, a very high four um, uh, division in terms of the coaching, but like Brian Dable's a bigger unknown than Dan Quinn, more than likely. We have more experience seeing Dan Quinn as head coach. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think Dan Quinn three, Brian Dable four in terms of those coaching staffs. I think that what Mike McCarthy showed getting rid of Kellen Moore and the way he ran that offense, how Dak Prescott played. Um, I think Tony Pollard could be due for a bounce back, how CD Lamb played. 
that you can you can very justifiably say that McCarthy and Schottenheimer, even with like or an upgrade or a, a big big step up from Sirianni and Kellen Moore, and I, I think Zimmer and Fangio are pretty similar in terms of aggressive, cranky old man. Who you know, like we'll we'll see how the defense uh, adjusts to that. So I agree with you guys on the order. I think that's a pretty solid setup. NFC East is the grumpier old men division on defense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on offense too. I mean, Dable and Sirianni are like, kind of grumpy old men. This is a pretty. Um, I mean, grumpy middle aged men. Dable Dable looks like a, a frat dude who's got like two kids and is screaming at them while they're playing soccer. Like they're like two ten year old kids. Like, oh, come Will, on, Will, Will Ferrell in uh, the fraternity movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> old school, love old school. Old school. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move to the AFC West, where I mean. I think, All right. I mean, I think is, number one is easy. <laughs> number one's easy, and then I'm going to give you my two and three because I think it's going to be most controversial. Okay, I, I think, think so. I'm with, and I think I'm with you, Brady, because I already know where you're going with this. Okay, Ooh. obviously Antonio Pierce, interim head coach, not much experience, so we put him at four. Yes. So that takes care of that. So then it's between Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh. I'm giving the edge to Jim Harbaugh, Damn. even though it was a short stint. He still went to, what, three NFC Championship games, all right? <laughs> Did go to a Super Bowl. He's won a national championship. I, I think he, to me, I'd put slightly ahead of Sean Payton, even though Sean Payton has a Super Bowl, yeah. uh, even though Sean Payton's won numerous uh, NFC South division titles and all that. And I think part of it's the fact that he was – he had – Drew Brees for the entirety of his time there yeah. with the Saints. And I'm not saying that Sean Payton was a part of that, obviously. He was. But Drew Brees obviously is like a first bell Hall of Famer quarterback. So it, it, yeah. it lends itself to like that Brady-Belichick argument, Sean Payton, Drew Brees. And after watching last year in Denver, you're kind of like, all right. So maybe it's too small of a sample size to give that a, a step ahead to Jim Harbaugh. But I just think he's a good football coach. I don't care where you put him. He's going to eventually build something and find a way to win a championship. If not for the lights going out in that Super Bowl, I don't know. Maybe San Francisco does end up winning it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you too, Brady. I think a lot of people would say this is a little controversial just because Sean Payton does have the ring. But to your point, like when Drew Brees came to New Orleans, people tend to forget he was actually a pretty good quarterback. He was just coming off an injury. It wasn't like he was well, somebody he pick. developed into some great player. Like he was actually a pretty good quarterback already now. Again, he did help in that development, but we look at Jim Harbaugh and what he did with Alex Smith and then Ka uh, Colin Kaepernick. And then, to your point, he's won every place he's been, whether Everywhere. it's University of San Diego, whether it's Stanford, where it's at, whether it's Michigan, right? And, and then he's done it with Greg Roman before. So I, you talk about the continuity. Now, again, I know Joe Lombardi was with Sean Payton forever, literally, <laughs> in New Orleans, but I'm with you. I just just because Jim Harbaugh has won every place he's been. I give him the slight edge. And then you look at it, right, with the tools that, you know, he has now with having a guy like Justin Herbert. I don't think he's ever had a quarterback like that. So you can only imagine what he could potentially do with Herbert. The last I, I thing, think if you incorporate the staffs, all right, Greg Rome's a little more tenured uh, than Lou Getze is and probably has had more success. Although Patrick Graham's had way more experience than Jesse Minner has. But yeah. uh, excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong one. Joe Lombardi and Vance Joseph <laughs> has more experience than Jesse Minner. The hard thing for me is, like, that Broncos defense, even though it got much better the second half of the season, it did give up 70 points. 70 <laughs> points. Give up a 70, 70, point. 70 points. <laughs> like, for that reason alone, I, I got to give a little slight it, edge. 
<laughs> Jim Harbaugh is that. Here's bro. here's the other thing. Jim Harbaugh's track record of hiring assistants is pretty freaking immaculate. Now, Greg Roman was welcome eventually uh, with the offense he ran with Colin Kaepernick and then what they did with Lamar Jackson. They're not going to run that same thing with Justin Herbert. Mike McDonald, superstar, new coach of the Seattle Seahawks, found by the Harbaugh brothers. He was in Baltimore, went to Michigan, and then back to Baltimore, right. and then gets a job in Seattle. Um, you know, you look at Vic Fangio, who's talked about as one of the best defensive coordinators in football. Harbaugh guy. It wouldn't have been surprising if he'd been if he'd gone to to uh, Los Angeles instead of Philadelphia. And I, I just think you have to. Jim Harbaugh went twenty-two and two in his final two years at San Diego with Josh Johnson. He goes and wins an Orange Bowl at Stanford. That is so hard to do. Stanford is nerd city, and he turned it into a football team, like a, fo- a stud football place. Right? He goes. Jumps to the, the NFC West with the with the 49ers. They haven't been to the playoffs since 02. They were and he takes them to three straight there. three straight <laughs> NFC championship games. And you're right, like, and he could go to three straight Super Bowls really easily, like one play away at each of those. Uh, and then of course they had the one play, they like had the, the the Sherman um Crabtree thing where he screamed at Aaron Andrews and the yeah, NFC championship where he game one year. ball back gets intercepted. Yeah. You you catch the 2011 um uh Giants. I mean, it's just like there's he has and then he goes to Michigan it is so effing hard to go five and seven at a school like Michigan Brady Hoke did it the year before Harbaugh got there Harbaugh wins double digits immediately has him in the playoffs flips the script on Ohio State wins a national championship and goes back to the NFL like the guy just wins everywhere he goes and he's going to win here and here's the topper I think if you ask Sean Payton right now if he'd like to switch jobs with Jim Harbaugh he probably would and because the Chargers have the quarterback. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. I think Harbaugh over Peyton, but I love Sean Payton. I think he's a great coach. Yeah. And Pierce is. It's like board. a 2A, two, 2B two two type conversation, yeah, right? For sure. Right. Yeah. We're not going to disrespect Andy Reid by trying to force yeah. one of these guys. I don't even think there. we need to talk about that. No. To the end don't need to be said. <laughs> but we got a lot of, a uh, little bit of Ooh. changeover. <laughs> San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan alone. <laughs> so hold on, so, so Mike McDaniel, Mike McDonald, excuse me, he goes four. We know that he's first yeah. time head coach. We'll see. I put Gannon ahead of him just because he's got a year of experience, so he sits there at three. This is where he here's the controversial one. Yeah, I'm giving Shanahan the edge at one. Really, McVay came from that system. He did. Like, even though McVay has the super the da- his dad system, yeah, you're right. I still look at Shanahan and I'm like, man. That dude's no matter what offense he's coached, where he's been. Like I, I look at it and just go, I still am going to give him the edge, despite the fact that he doesn't have an OC or defensive coordinator at this current moment. It's Kyle Shanahan versus like, everybody. What a one B, but I just feel like he's the mentor. Sean McVay is kind of the mentee. Everyone gives like John Gruden credit from where McVay came from because his cadence and everything else. Yeah. Largely, was thankful to the Shanahan tree, though. Shanahan tree. My thing well, is, and, if, if if Raheem Morris yeah. was still on the staff, would you, would you give the edge to, to McVay then, Brady? Well, and if Raheem Morris is still on the staff, Zach Robinson would still be on the staff. No, because, because Morris took his OC and left. Correct. Yeah, I said no, because you Shanahan doesn't have anyone on the staff right now. And I'm still <laughs> giving the edge. That is. Well, true. And, and, the, and the other thing with with Kyle Shanahan, this is a coaching staff that has been rated like no other. Over the last five plus years, I mean, we talk about uh, Mike McDaniel, right? The former OC. We're going to talk about D'Amico Ryan's, the former DC, Robert Sala, Robert former Sala. DC. There's like, I mean, 
and Kyle Shanahan still was a couple of plays away from winning the Super Bowl, right? And to add that, not only the coaches have the front office has been rated, right? Rand Carthen, Adam Peters, like uh, Matthew – um, well, what was the uh, the the GM for the Commanders before um, Martin uh, Mayhew? Oh, Martin, Mayhew. Martin Mayhew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All those hey, guys look, came look, from San Francisco. Look, the bottom line is that Patrick Mahomes. Does, you know, we talk about what Bill Belichick did. Like, think about what Bill, Bill Belichick did. Did you know? Uh, Belichick and Brady did to various people's legacies. Kyle Shanahan has two Super Bowl wins, and Patrick Mahomes isn't on the Chiefs. You know, true. and and like so, I mean. I think Kyle won is Kyle won Kyle won and Sean McVay too, but a very close to, and they are miles above Mike McDonald and Jonathan Gannon just right now, out of out of all respect. Well, well this is this is my thing where, where I can say this is one A one B is because Sean McVay does have the ring, and this past year Brady, we were talking about um, you know teams like the Houston Texans making the playoffs when nobody really thought they could. Let's not forget, nobody thought the Rams were making the playoffs. No. I would pay a hundred dollars. To most media pundits, if they could name five people off of that defense this year. Yeah. Now, I can. It's because I'm a nerd and I watch a lot of film. But most people couldn't name five people off that yeah. defense this year. And what Raheem Morris and Sean McVay did development-wise is unheard of for what this team did to get to the playoffs. And we're probably one or a couple plays away from beating the Lions in round one. So, I, I mean, I was about as high as anybody in the NFL media on the Rams before the season. And even I kind of chickened out at the end with all the, like, the Cooper Cup injury and all that stuff, and had yeah. him like barely missing the playoffs. I think I had him winning nine games. I, I didn't know anybody. I don't know anybody else who had him winning nine games. But no, I don't think I don't I, think I had saw anybody had him winning that many. Yeah, and I, I mean, but I'm a I'm a I'm a Matthew Stafford hawk, so I've got him winning Super Bowl this coming year. Just ooh, and then we really lock in that Hall of Fame resume. Then Sean McVay flips it on Kyle. I digress. I think I think the ranking is good. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll dive into the South. Yeah, get down dirty, dirty staff, Brady Queen. Um, and uh, we will also rank our top five coaching staffs next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. All right, we'll start in the AFC South. We're also going to rank the North Division. Don't worry, we got, we got North covered too. I uh, can't leave Brady's Rust Belt. Uh, you're a Rust Belt man, right? Yeah. Yeah, Rust Belt. You love Rust playing Belt. football in the cold. Yeah, That's what we do, man. <laughs> football down in the cold. Uh, yeah, all right. Matt, Matt, uh, yeah, just get moving. Brian Callahan, number four, first-time head coach. There's yep. the caveat. Um, the interesting thing is I think Shane Steichen at three makes a lot of sense only because, you know, he hasn't coached a ton either. Um and, but, and we don't we don't know what we're gonna like the Anthony Richard thing, Anthony Richardson thing is unknown. I do give him points for hiring Jim Bob Cooter, though. That's yeah. you you got I I I I went back to my high school, the, the prestigious Macaulay School in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and gave a chapel talk and was able to use the name Jim Bob Cooter in my chapel talk many years ago. And quite frankly, it's it's probably the highlight of my career. Um, I'm sure that my grandfather was looking down going, what a POS you are, Will, for sneaking Cooter in uh, during the chapel talk. This I'm is my thing. got that in, in the rankings because that was very necessary. Uh, he still sits at three. D'Amico Ryan's uh, winning a division, doing everything he did in his first year. Yeah. And I think you got to give Peterson credit because he's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Even though it was a terrible year this past year, they made the playoffs the year before. So I don't find this division that difficult, um, but – Really curious to see how high D'Amico Ryans can climb after this upcoming season. True. I mean, Shane Steichen, I think it's – I know, like I said, according to the division, because Peterson's won a Super Bowl, D'Amico, like you said, not only won the division, but they won round one and got to round two. Um, but Shane Steichen, what he was able to do when his no, number four overall pick goes down, one game out of the playoffs, they had a chance at home week 18 to win the division – I don't think just kind of like the Rams discussion. I don't think anybody had the Colts probably winning over like five games this year, and for them to win that many and to almost get in the playoffs again, you can't put them in front of D'Amico because D'Amico beat them when it counted to win the division. And then also Doug Peterson, to your point, um, has won a Super Bowl. But Shane Steichen, I, I think, did a masterful job with that team. And then also Gus Bradley, I think you have to put that in as a caveat. If you look at all the D corners, even though D'Amico Ryan's is technically the defensive coordinator because he calls the defense. Uh, Gus Bradley, what he did with that defensive line, uh, they had a career year in sacks, I think 51 sacks, had four guys at eight sacks, and nobody really talked about them all year long. So, Yeah, uh, Coach, I think, think they can really rise team. up on this list. I, I think I, I'm going to make the case that because of the continuity that came with retaining Bobby Slowick and the negative continuity that comes with retaining Press Taylor, and the offensive schemes, and they like CJ Stroud was better than Trevor Lawrence last year. And I'm a big yeah. Trevor Lawrence guy, but I think I don't know how you would take if you're like you get this coaching staff plus this quarterback. I don't know how you take the Jaguars over over the the Texans. All due respect to Doug Peterson and his Super Bowl ring, um, I want to say D'Amico Ryan's with that offensive coordinator's ret- retention, and then D'Amico calling the defense. I'm going to put him at one and Doug at two. I, I would say their staff is a hell of a staff. Matt Burke, even though Tobago calls yeah. it, he's still a great yeah. coach. Sure. Really good coach. The the thing is, is like Doug Peterson did what a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. So that's kind of – They did have the number one seed with Carson Wentz, who should have been the MVP that year. I'm just saying, yeah. bro, like you got to give him credit for that. No, I Don't think go. he's one right now. 
I mean, that team, here's the deal. The Texans were four and seven last year and got hot, won the division, flipped it to the Jaguars late in the season. Exact same thing the Jaguars did to the Titans last year. If we Are saw you a little bit of moving forward, is that what you're saying? You're saying from here moving forward now, the Texans will be the better team than the Jaguars in the AFC. No, I, I'm saying the Texans did the exact same thing in 2023 the Jaguars did in 2022. I wouldn't be stunned if there was some regression from the Texans. Uh, and I think the Jaguars really? can improve. Right. Nielsen's a nice app, I, I, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Texans at one here to the NFC South. You're now incorporating quarterbacks. I thought it was just about coaches. <laughs> it is just about coaches. This was I, interesting to me because, like, obviously, again, Dave Canales four, we get it. But then you sort of look at the rest of the list. Like, even though Raheem Morris has prior head coaching experience, it did not work out well in Tampa. Now, is. I think he's going to do a much better job in Atlanta with the pieces they have. I like Zach Robinson. I know he's a good offensive mind. Yeah. Jimmy Lakes, a hell of a defensive mind, too. So I think that defense, especially with Raheem Morris, like, it, it's going to be solid. But just by nature of the fact that, like, Given his history, you kind of have to put him at three, and then I you got Dennis uh, Allen's history isn't great either. No, but like he's still a head coach, and I, it just it, it, this is a tough one for me. Like I think Todd Bowles, I'd still put at the top, for sure. um, and I give him the edge, especially considering they won the division this year. But like it, it's tight between Raheem Morris to Dennis Allen and Todd Bowles for me. I, I love yeah. that Liam Cohen hire too by Todd Bowles after lo- leaving uh, after losing Dave. Kamala I mean, you lose your own OC in the division. That's tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to go a little bold off the board here as well. I'm going to say number one, and all due respect to Todd Bowles, because he did a hell of a job coaching that team up last year. They won the division, uh, but you lose your OC in the division. And I think Dave Canales just because the unknown has to be four. I'm going to put Raheem Morris at number one. Wow. With the, hire, with the hires he made. I think the job he did, he got hired 30, age 32 in Tampa Bay. He was, he was way young. too young. He won 10 <laughs> games. Young. There was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that I don't think people understand. Um, maybe some off-field stuff with Josh Freeman. He didn't pan out the way he did. He had an incredible rookie year. And the, the Bucks got jumpy and fired him after just three seasons. I think it's one of those situations where they probably should have shown a little bit of patience. Um, Todd Bowles, 1B there because of the job he's done, but he's a little too conservative still for me. And I worry, do we see a, a step? Is Baker back? Is Mike Evans back? What about no Antoine Winfield? Uh, the Dennis Allen three. Are you, are you trying to project their win total for next year? <laughs> I you thought know, it was just the, all the coaching staff. You know, roster, we're just talking coaches. Will stick to the script. Raheem <laughs> Morris one, Todd Bowles two, Dennis Allen three, Dave Canales four. There, there's my final four. I think you have to go Todd Bowles one, man. Just, just because, like I said, and again, the Tampa Bay Bucks were a team, even though they had two good receivers. Again, we're not talking about the players. I don't think a lot of people. I think a lot of people had penciled in the Saints to win that division last year, right? And a lot of people sprinkled some money on your Carolina Panthers, will because they thought the coaching staff was one of the best in the yeah. league. Um, so Guilty I, to me, it's Todd Bowles one man. Yeah, it's fair. Um, okay, let's talk about the AFC North. You can make Ooh. a case that this is. I, I, I mean, it's probably the most difficult one out of everyone. <laughs> this is one. This is one of the best. You've got. You have to have John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin. You know, I don't think it's that difficult, though. Is it really? I think it's two. So who's, who's, your, it's who's, like, your top, who's your top? Top? I think it's two uh, pods. It's two pods. It's pod, one, pod. it's okay. One, I was gonna say you have to say it's one A one A B then, right? Yeah. Well, but I would say, look, I'm putting Harbaugh. Yep. Ahead of Tomlin. Really? Well, yeah, because of his staff. And uh, I'll give you that. 
I mean, it, well, now, Tom Bucket struggled in that that championship game. Are, are there Smiths going to improve it? I think it'll be better, but like I'd say it's one A one B. Look, both John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin will be Hall of Fame coaches, in my opinion. I mean, Tomlin's never had a losing season. Yeah, that's why. That's why I thought he would be one. I think he, I think he wasted last year because he hung on to Matt Canada. Like we yeah. all knew that was their big issue going into the off the end of the season, and he waited so long where really they didn't have much of a shot to move on. Now I love the hire of Arthur Smith. I think that'll put them right there with Todd Munkin. But Todd Munkin did a lot of great things with Lamar too to help him excel and win the MVP last year. So you got to give him a ton of credit. And I think Zach Orr is going to do an unbelievable job with that defense and keep them in line with what we've seen young, in recent years. So it's, tight. it's a 1A, 1B for me. I think Stefanski has to be three then in that race. And then, unfortunately, Ooh. you have to put Zach Till at four. But, I mean, I, I don't know. Because Zach Till is one year they go to a Super Bowl. But Stefanski's done – I mean, the job he did this past year with yeah. five different quarterbacks and all that, the way his defense has been too, Jim Schwartz that higher. Like, we start factoring all that in. I, I think – I don't know. It's tough not to pick against Stefanski and what he did at least last year. Well, this this is why I would push back on that. And even though Stefanski was coach of the year, uh, like you said, Zach Taylor, back-to-back years, AFC Championship game, Super Bowl, right? Joe Burrow goes down now. I know we're not factoring in players – but the, the Bengals with the backup quarterback were still what in the they, playoff what, what, what are they without Burrow? They, what do you mean? They were one game out of the playoffs. With this year. But I'm saying yeah. look at what the Browns did. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, think you got to put some respect on what Lou Anarumo has done with that defense too, though. For sure. Yeah, he's, he's done a good job. It wasn't Jim Schwartz and what he did with the Browns defense. I mean, but, I, but again, we're not talking personnel, right? Because the personnel is a lot better on the defensive side for Cleveland than it is for the Bengals if we're going to go that route. I think, I think the undersold thing here is, and it affects the whole division, Brian Callahan leaving the Bengals yeah, that hurts. for the Titans and taking Bill Callahan from the Browns. Those are two Browns. big yeah. people. Like, how Zach Taylor's been calling the plays, but Brian Callahan has a lot of input and works closely with Joe Burrow. How does that right. offense look with no Callahan? And then how does this Browns rushing attack look? with no Brian? I mean, Bill Callahan is like the best offensive – one of the best offensive line coaches in the history of football. Like, right. that's a big difference for them uh, in Cleveland. I'll say Harbaugh one, Tomlin two, Stevanti three, Taylor four. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to pick between John Harbaugh and, and Tomlin. Just just because, you know, Todd Munkin first year did an amazing job. I think to Brady's point, Arthur Smith will change a lot of the stuff that Pittsburgh did. And people say it'll be more conservative, but they won't turn the ball over as much. And then I got to give the edge to Terrell Austin just because he's done it before. Zach Gore, I do believe, is a superstar. He played when I played, me and Brady played, and he's a superstar on the rise. But I believe he's a first-time D.C. So I think Terrell Austin has done it before. So I would have to give the edge to Mike Tomlin's staff. By the way, I just can't pick the Bengals over the Browns. So there's that. You said what? <laughs> I can't pick the Bengals over the Browns. So. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was a reason. <laughs> let's head to the NFC North where I think – oh, you know what? Sneaky top three here in terms of like I don't see how you're not picking Dan Campbell and the and the Lions first, considering they retained Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn and Matt Lafleur just had to fire his yeah. DC, although he brought Jeff Hathaway, the BC head coach. That was a big um, surprise. I didn't see yeah, that. I'll pick. Exactly how you see it is how I'd rank it. There you go. That actually is pretty, that. that's accurate. But I agree with that. I mean, I, so you're saying with Matt Lafleur, even the success that they've had. Right, kind of gets washed. And I know we're not talking about players, but Aaron Rodgers not being there anymore. Um, and then to Will's point, right, they they fired their DC 
even though they went to the divisional round. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would rank it how it is too. I think Brian Flores did a hell of a job last year with that. That was that defense the year before. Oh my God, it was abysmal. Like, yeah, for what he did, for what the the talent that was on that current roster, he did a hell of a job. Uh, and, yeah, I would rank it how it is. And those players, the Vikings players, talked about how they started to learn the system like five or six weeks in, and that's when that defense really took off. And I think you right. saw that. So yeah, I mean, I think. There's probably a gap too between three and four. Like, let's just see what Iberflus and, and that staff can do. But the defense for the Bears much improved. I think Iberflus is an example where you want to be a little patient, maybe. See what Dan Campbell started 0 10 and 1 and then 1 and 6 his first two years and, and look how it paid off. Okay. Yeah. Let's rank our that is all the divisions, right? I yes. Think so. Let's rank our top five coaching staffs. Brady, do you want to give yours really quick? I understand you have to go to the little boys' room. I do. No, not the little boys room. I have to go on HQ. So I he doesn't go on air. <laughs> yeah. uh, how did I have this? Uh, what did I put? I have the exact same as Leger. We I looked at the list. I was like, yeah, it's the exact same. There's not going to be much comment for fodder here. So, uh, oh, so you I had think. Chiefs, Lions, 49ers, Eagles, Browns. Anybody want to change? Okay. Nope. Yeah. All right. That was my um, list. <laughs> I like that list. I mean, the Chiefs are obviously the number one. I think I would have the Chargers maybe in the mix because I love Jim Harbaugh. But generally speaking, I think that's a great list as well. Brady, you can see on CBS Sports HQ. You can see dudes there too. You can see me there too. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For dudes for Brady, I'm Brinson. We'll see you guys later. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.